Well, this week we're taking the time to look at uh, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And as I explained in a previous video, we were about to wrap up a series in Revelation. And instead of concluding that series in isolation, uh, we're going to jump forward to Matthew 26 through 28. And the plan there was to look at communion, um, chapter 26, verses 26 through 29, uh, and then to look at chapter 27 at the cross. Um, now we'll spend two weeks looking at that subject, the cross and the crucifixion of Christ. And then we'll look at the resurrection, which will fall on Easter Sunday, um, first half of Matthew 28. And then we'll conclude this shorter series with the Great Commission and the, sec the, the last part of Matthew. So um, hopefully by then we'll be much closer to gathering together. If, we're, um, if we don't have a better idea of our timeline at that point, we'll, we'll have to reassess what we're doing um, after that point. But in the previous video, I introduced the subject of the Lord's Supper and the importance of considering these things, even at a time where we are in isolation. The church um, has practiced communion um, in varied ways throughout the centuries. And frankly, since the early church, there's been dysfunction. And so today it would seem that most people seem to err on the side of taking the Lord's Supper too lightly. Uh, they minimize its importance. Maybe they uh, don't really participate in it very much. Um, maybe when they partake, their, their minds are not engaged. Um, oftentimes, I think the preacher uh, takes no time to really explain the Lord's Supper or to fence it. That's to, um, to warn those who should not be partaking in it that might be present. And so I think it's important that we consider those things. None of those practices are, are healthy, in my opinion. And, um, and so we'll cover some of those issues later. But in this video, I simply want us to consider the four major views of the Lord's Supper. And so we begin with the Roman Catholic view called transubstantiation. Um, they point to Jesus' words in the Gospels, where he says, this is my body. And they emphasize that phrase, this is my body. Um, they also in Mark um, 14, 24, he says, this is my blood. So they take those phrases and they say that they determine that the bread and the wine transform into the body and blood of Christ. Uh, so during the priest's prayer of consecration, the substance of the bread and wine become the body and blood of Christ. Um, however, in order to explain this, they, they do borrow from uh, Aristotle. They take his metaphysics and they suggest that even though the substance and the elements have been changed, the accidents, or you might read species, um, their physical attributes remain unchanged or they remain the same. So you have this idea of the substance of the bread and the cup transforming into the into the body and blood of Christ, but the accidents or the physical uh, elements themselves remain the same. And so in other words, what appears to be bread and wine has actually become something else in reality. And so obviously Jesus was physically present at the table 
as he was instituting the Lord's Supper. He's holding a, a, a piece of bread in his hands. And so none of the disciples, in my opinion, would have gotten confused at that point and said, you know, when he said, this is my body, he's referring to the bread and saying, this is my body. None of them thought, wait a second, are, are you saying your body literally just became that loaf of bread in your hands right now? Uh, I don't think any of them were thinking that. It, it, it sort of made me think about the, uh, the FDA commercial um, in 1987. Uh, where it said, uh, this is your brain. And the person held up an egg. And then he says, he cracks the, the egg and puts it in a frying pan. And, and then it starts sizzling. And he says, this is your brain on drugs. Any questions? Now, I can assure you, I was nine years old when that came out. I never watched that thinking, that's not my brain. That's an egg. I, I never had to, to wrestle with what that meant. I understood that the egg was being used to represent my brain. And that if I took drugs, that that would be the result, that it would fry my brain. Now the, the grammatical term for this is metinomy. And it's, it's the idea that the bread is used as a sign or a symbol of Christ's body, just as the FDA used an egg to represent a human brain. That's a very common practice, um, a very, common use in, in grammar. And there's several examples in scripture. You have the water of baptism representing cleansing and regeneration. Uh, you have the rock representing Christ. Uh, you have the dove, which is the Holy Spirit. These are, these are not objects that we think actually uh, become those, the reality, right? The, the rock doesn't become Christ. It, it represents Christ. The dove is not actually the Holy Spirit. It represents the Holy Spirit. So again, uh, that's transubstantiation. It's the Roman Catholic teaching. And so Martin Luther challenged that teaching when he, um, when he defined his view of the Lord's Supper as consubstantiation. So he challenged the, the Roman Catholic Church and a host of the theological problems that um, that the Roman Catholic Church taught, but his view of consubstantia uh, consubstantiation stresses that the elements remain the elements. Right? There's, he rejected the notion of, of um, distinguishing between substance and accidents. Uh, no transformation takes place in consubstantiation. However, in explaining the words, this is my body, Luther argued that Christ's body and blood are in with and under the elements. That's the language he used. So, so it's this analogy of, an, of iron being heated by fire. And he says the iron remains iron. It doesn't transform, but it's dramatically impacted by its union with the fire. And so this is the sense in which the bread and the wine become the body and blood of Christ. He argued that there's a sacramental union that takes place in the Lord's Supper. Um, the, and this is, uh, I think, much closer to the truth. However, the problem with this view is that it requires the body of Christ to be ubiquitous or omnipresent or everywhere. Um, it's, if Jesus was indeed raised to life and ascended into heaven in his glorified human body, then in what sense can his body be everywhere? 
Right? In, in order for consubstantiation to work in the way that Luther explained it, the body of Christ had to be in several places at once, at least in all the places where the Lord's Supper was being taken at that, to- at that moment. And so if this is the case, then, then in what sense is it a human body? Right? Uh, humans cannot be omnipresent. And so this leads to a third view called memorialism. Uh, This is the view of Ulrich Zwingli. I think it's the predominant view today, um, who who took a a different approach. He emphasized Christ's words, do this in remembrance of me, uh, 1 Corinthians 11. So he removed the sacramental ideas and, and he called it a memorial, an act of simply remembering Christ's death. He rejected any notion that Christ was present uh, in the sacrament. So it's merely a sign and an expression of a believer's faith. And so this seems to be an overcorrection of transubstantiation. Uh, Communion in Christ's body and blood implies much more than a simple mental exercise. What is the role of God's word, the Holy Spirit, and prayer as it accompanies the sacrament? Um, If if this were how they explained the Lord's Supper um, in the early church, then it's difficult to understand why anyone would have thought that that they were cannibals. They were accused of being cannibals, and Justin Martyr in the second century had to write an an apology that defended the church's position. And so... um, uh, you know, several you know, Roman Catholics claim Justin Martyr taught transubstantiation. Um, Martin Luther uh, says, says it was something closer to uh, consubstantiation. And Calvin, you know, I think it, everyone can, kind of claims to have, uh, to, to have Justin Martyr's support for their view. But the one person who can't claim that would be Zwingli the memorial view, because in that sense, it's, it's completely different than anything um, that Martyr would have said, which, if, which I think rightly represents the uh, position of the early church on communion. And so this gets to Calvin's view and the final view, and what I believe is the most appropriately balanced view called the real presence. He points to Paul's statement in the Corinthian, to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 10 that says, the cup of blessing that we bless is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? So participation is the Greek word koinonia. It's translated communion or fellowship in other places. And so Calvin is saying that this emphasizes something special, something unique about what's taking place in the sacrament. That's, that's different than Christ's presence in, in, in just everyday life. Calvin maintained that Christ is truly present in the sacrament, um, but it's a spiritual reality. He physically remains seated at the right hand of of the Father in heaven, so his body is not in the bread and his blood is not in the cup. Uh, it's not in it or with it or around it, even as consubstantiation would, would suggest, and it's not transformed. Uh, it, it, uh, the bread and the cup are not transformed into his body and blood. Instead, the Spirit of Christ is at work in and through the sacrament and joined to believers who partake by faith in the body and blood of Christ. So it should be noted that that Calvin did not reject the memorial idea um, as an aspect of the Lord's Supper. 
right? He, he thought it said too little, but he doesn't say that it, it uh, that it's wrong in, a, in and of itself, right? We should be remembering Christ's sacrifice, uh, his sacrificial death on the cross for our sins. Without that, the sacrament is meaningless. But we should also emphasize the spiritual presence of Christ in the Lord's Supper. It's every bit as real as the physical bread and cup that we eat and drink. And so in in saying, this is my body, Christ was declaring that the purpose of the bread had not changed into something, uh, or sorry, in, in saying, this is my body, Christ was declaring that the purpose of the bread had changed into something spiritual. Right, the purpose had changed. So the bread itself had not changed, but Christ consecrates the bread for a spiritual purpose. And in the sacrament, Christ truly offers himself as spiritual food so that we might feed upon him spiritually. And so the sacrament consists of visible signs, bread and cup, which convey spiritual realities. And so that's the, the balance of the final view that Calvin taught of the real presence of Christ in communion. And so we'll dig deeper into some of these spiritual realities as we continue in this series. 